Welcome back to The Shorter, a podcast on the Shorter Catechism where two pastors take 20-something minutes to confess their way through the 107 questions of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I'm your host, Tommy Park, and I'm joined by my co-host, Stephen Spinweber. Happy Monday? Yeah. It's kind of Monday. It's Thursday as we're recording this, but for them it's Monday. It's like a back to the future kind of yeah. existence. Happy Monday. So what are we doing today? Eighth commandment? Yeah, this week we're looking at the eighth commandment. Uh, last week, you know, again, we've seen we're in the back half of the Ten Commandments. You know, the first four are to love how to love God. The second back, the second six, the back half are, are how to love neighbor. Um, and so last week we looked at sex uh, and how sex helps us love neighbor, uh, particularly our spouse. Yes, very particularly <laughs> our spouse. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Um, and then, t- but today we're, you know, it's kind of more general is this whole, the eighth commandment of stealing, uh, the act of stealing. And again, and, and this, and again, this is kind of like how you pointed out there's these, was it respectable sins? What's the mm-hmm. Jerry Bridges? You know that as we'll get to this, the new gossip, one, anger, yeah, things like that. And this one's kind of, I think, in that somewhat respect. Some forms of stealing are respectable. Some <laughs> yeah. are not. Yeah, but, but I think coming to this, you're right. There's a certain sense of levity that maybe we we have when we come to this. We're like, yeah. oh, I haven't stolen anything. Like, yeah. Like a, but I think you know, like as that. we'll get to this, I think stealing is. It's serious because it's, I think one author put it this way, it's an act of violence against another image bearer of, of, of God. You know, that you are taking what is not yours, and it, it's somebody else's, and, and who is the image of God. Well, when you say it that way, it's almost like it's serious or something. It is serious. Amen. Sin, sin is serious. Serious is sin. Yeah. So, we've got... Three points this morning, the root of stealing, the ways we break the Eighth Commandment, the ways we steal, and then the ways we keep the Eighth Commandment. And we're going to be pulling from the larger catechism, questions 141 and 142, but today, the focus of our time really is questions 73 through 75 of the Eighth Commandment, you shall not steal. Question 74, what's required? Eighth commandment requireth the lawful procuring and furthering the wealth and outward estate of ourselves and others. And question 75, what is forbidden in the eighth commandment? The eighth commandment forbiddeth whatsoever doth or may unjustly hinder our or our neighbor's wealth or outward estate. So coming to our first point, the root of stealing. Obviously, there's going to be some, I call it cross-pollination with the 10th commandment. We're going to talk about, it's impossible to talk about the Eighth Commandment without talking about the Tenth Commandment, because the Tenth Commandment motivates the Eighth. You covet, want what isn't yours, and then you steal. So they're, they're kind of going hand in hand here. All, I mean, and we've kind of said this already, but all the commandments are connected to one another. Mm-hmm. You know, that, again, things are, you know, using kind of the Tim Keller quote that you know, when you turn good things into ultimate things. Mm-hmm. So even, you know, last week, you know, sex is a very good thing, 
But when you make it an ultimate thing, like Carl Truman talked about, like when it becomes not something we do, but who we are. Yeah. It starts to burn you. And then here things are you that you work for, as we'll see things that you work for, things are good. Right. But but when you make them ultimate things Mm -hmm. and you take human flourishing is not happening at that moment. No bueno. So the root of stealing, you know, the Puritans, I think, are super helpful on these things. They really were doctors of the heart because obviously they could be somewhat tedious with all of their subpoints and many uses in their explanations. But the root of stealing really is discontentment. It is discontentment with the providence of God. We only take those things that deep down inside we believe we need or deserve. And when we do that, Fundamentally, what we're doing is questioning what God, in his most holy, wise, and powerful providence, has decided to give us. So, the motivation for stealing, we could say, is I deserve or I ought to have more than I do. Yeah, I just had this thought. I mean, it's more than this. But in some sense, the first sin, the original sin, was stealing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of interesting to think about. Yeah, they wanted something that they thought was due to them, that they had no business possessing, the knowledge of good and evil. You'll be like God. They wanted God's seat. Well, yeah, and even in in the context, that whole, God said, what did God say? You can have anything. You can have any fruit from any tree, but just not that one. Discontentment's weird. Yeah. Why, Why? You know, you think of everything else that they had available to them. Why would you want that tree? So... See, it's good for eating and all that, granted, but I do think but I do that's th- such an adequate description of our lives. You think well, of all the things the Lord's given us, and he says, hey, a handful of things are off the table, but those are the things that simply we want to well, do. Well, just like Adam and Eve had, you know, they were listening to a different voice. We often listen to different voices. You know, it might be media, it might be, ooh, look what, what my neighbor has, you know, these things kind of haunt into our, you know, into our little hearts and our brains, and they make things bigger than they ought to be. Are any of your neighbors named the Joneses? No, but we, we like to keep up with them. Dad jokes. So, this is the root of stealing. It's believing that God hasn't done right by us. And, and two, it's a very high view of self. It's pride. I deserve better than this. I am better than this. I need more than this. So this is really a high view of self externalized and also saying to your neighbor who you're stealing from, I'm better than you. So how do we break this commandment? Now, like we'd said before, this one's somewhat respectable. Some might say, you know, hey, maybe I didn't, you know. I shaved on my taxes a little bit, or, you know, I did like a handful of things and we kind of rationalize a lot of these away. There are very few people that say I embezzled a hundred million dollars or something crazy like that. But how does the eighth commandment look? Let's just say, even to your professing believer, how does violations of the eighth commandment look? I think first it's just simply withholding from others what is due to them. So naturally we think of taxes withholding something that's due from somebody. We think of that maybe monetarily. Yeah. But what about labor? Let's just say so, you know, if you work in 
I remember this years and years ago in the town where I grew up. My dad works for the government, but there was a, a big scandal where there were people that were peacing out at one o'clock and they were having people that worked behind them clock them out at five. That was theft. That was theft. They were being paid for labor that they had not given to their employer. And you use that language. It comes from Proverbs 3.27. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. So if you have something that is owed to somebody and you have it now, don't even put off. Even putting off giving that which is rightfully another's is a sin. Uh, Calvin says, you know, even this we sin not just in failing to do the right thing, but even in the slowness to do the right thing without the requisite alacrity or quickness. So giving something that's due to somebody, even my not wanting to do that, even my being really slow to do it, is itself sinful. Uh, I should be ready to give what belongs to another. So you talked about taxes. Uh, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Yeah. But also give to God what is God's, April 15th right? is coming up. It got pushed back to May 15th. Wow. You got a month. Well, I want to, I'll get mine done. I thought, I thought you were just going to say mine were done 2019 or something. Wow. Is, I'm, they might be done right now. I just don't know. Live by faith. <laughs> <laughs> so what about, let's talk about tithing. Let's, let's, uh, yeah. let's get up close and personal. Yeah. No, I think this is, I mean, particularly for me, this is, I live by the generosity of others, you know, as one who, in some sense, you, you do too, you know, but I don't know. I feel like I live in the extra generosity of people. Part of your job description is raising support. That's yeah. not part of mine. Yeah. And so, well, and also, you know, all my support comes from Christians who, you know, I'm believing that they're tithing to their church. They're first. over and above the tithe. Yeah. Yeah. And so that they're giving extra to ministries like mine, not saying that it has to be mine, but, and so, so, you know, give, you know, so we are called, you know, there is sense of a tithe, what simply means 10 or 10%, but I think there is a sense, a posture of generosity as Christians. Um, and I think as we give to first the local church that we belong to, and what's been cool to me is most of the churches, a lot of the churches, support me out of in some sense their tithe they have a, a whatever the certain pers- percentage of the tithe yeah, or some percentage of their budget they want to also tithe out you know and so so god has called for this to work well and for it to flourish and for the kingdom of god to go we need to give what god has given us in in response uh, and since he has been generous with his one and only son, we can be generous uh, with our um, with our finances yeah. back to him. The Lord gave us his best. How can we not give him our best? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that still were a present far too small compared to what the Lord has given us in Christ. And, and again, to kind of go back to your point earlier is that the issue is not money. That's not what's evil. It's it's the heart. It's greed. Evil, yeah. Riches are. They say it's the love of riches that is the root of all evil. So it's not wealthy people are not intrinsically worse than poor people or you know blue collar folk like yourself and myself. No, it's the use of riches. It's like anything. 
riches can be used to the glory of God or they can be abused. You see some acts of abuse, Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira, they said, hey, we sold everything that we have or given to the church, when in fact they lied to God and kept a little over for themselves. Now, here's the deal. They didn't necessarily need to give away everything that they had. They could have just been honest and said, hey, we gave away 75%. But this desiring to see uber-benevolent was displeasing to God. And also, this sin in the book of Malachi worked its way from the top down. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, this is God speaking to the priest, where's my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest, who despise my name? But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. When you offer blind animals and sacrifices, that on evil. So they were giving, obviously in the Old Testament, the expectation is a pure, unspotted lamb. And they're bringing lame, maimed animals to the Lord. And God sees through that. You're not bringing me your best. And I think the Christians, we can ask ourselves, are we bringing God the best that we have of our time, our energies, and our ties? The first fruit principles, give God your best. You brought up a good point. So often we think of only money in this situation, but there, you know we can give our time, we can get our energy. There's other things that we can give, including our money that... Uh, to God, but also to our neighbors, to our friends, mm-hmm. you know, and so. And Bebo Elkin, he taught our ethics class at Greenville Seminary. I still remember the class pretty vividly. And one of the things I appreciated in that course, what he said, are we minimal obedience types or are we maximalist? Are we striving to be minimalists or maximalists? And I think that striving for maximal obedience to the best of our abilities is, is really the, the standard. And certainly, as you said, we commit sins of omission like this all the time. But are also sins of commission, and this comes, I'm borrowing language from larger catechism 142, actively seeking or taking that which not, does not belong to us. So this is the, uh, who's that fella on Wall Street that, I don't Gordon know. Gecko? Does that sound familiar? Sure. Some, you know, slicked back here, uh, Wall Street guy, stealing money, robbery, theft, I still remember the very first thing I stole. What? It was a blow pop. Ooh, a little kid. I was at the little jiffy, little gas station. And here, here's the thing. I still remember all of it pretty vividly. I had the blow pop in my hand. I went into my pocket to get money to pay for it. And as I put it in my hand, I'm like, I can walk out right now. And I did. 15 cents. I stole a 15 cents blow pop. And what happened after that? Well, clearly I ate a 15 cents blow pop, but that act has, has been with me ever since. And I wasn't even a Christian. I was a Christian probably six years after that, you know, Mm. just, it's just kind of interesting what you remember as a, as a kid. It's a law of God being written on your heart even then. Yeah. And I think, yeah, even that, and it's funny, even that, the 15 cents stealing of a blow pop, you know, I think that we're going to come to a place in the catechism where it says that even these little minor sins, R.C. Sproul said there's not even such a peccatillo, right, that in, on the radar 
that doesn't merit God's wrath and displeasure. And it's it's things like that that I think the Lord uses maybe even now in your life and the lives of those who perhaps have, have done things like that, and certainly we all have, to just remind us of how desperately we need the grace of God, yeah. you know, day by you day. You probably stole songs off Napster, didn't you? Well, see, this is, I mean, these, this is the hard one, right? So somebody, well, it's not hard. It's it's just objectively wrong. But your friend said, hey, I got this song from Napster. Here's a burn CD. And you take it. I mean, I'm glad that iPods, well, I, I kind of want iPods to come back because nobody can call you on an iPod. So... That's true. I still have my old 120 gig block Ooh. one classic. But yeah, this was a thing back in the early 2000s, but in the days before Spotify, Napster, Livewire, uh, buying bootleg things at the flea market. I didn't buy the bootlegs because I was like, this is just, these are poorly rendered and I know they're objectively wrong. But the, those opportunities really do come upon Christians a lot. And I think that this ethic we need to really be strong on as believers because we're sending messages. Because if we buy something that we know is stolen or if we participate in something we know to be illegal, we are giving a tacit nod to that kind of behavior and participating in it. So these are all the ways that we, and again, we, we are not by no means being exhaustive here. Uh, we don't want to just pick out you know, these seemingly harmless ones, these respectable ones, and sort of wink at, you know, if you're doing something, taking something that does not belong to you, taking from somebody, abusing, extorting, uh, we'd call on you to repent, certainly, and uh, but we like to go to these small areas even too, the Napster, Livewire, the Blow Pop, because I think when we understand the depth of our sin, we begin to apprehend even more how desperately we need the grace of God in Christ. Yeah, we need Jesus. Yeah. So, third commandment. How do we keep this commandment, Tommy? The third commandment? You mean the third point? We got commandments on your brain. I've heard it both ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, our third yeah, point ha- for the commandment. Yeah. yeah. How do we keep it? First, by checking our motivations. You know, we just need to check our, our motivations at, you know, Larger Catechism uses some language here. It says, um, moderation of our judgments, wills, affections concerning worldly goods. So, before you steal anything, there's been something going on, brewing in your heart and mind that makes you do that thing. And that's where we need to start. We need to start weeding sin out by its root. You got some scripture? I think, yeah, we got a scripture there for us. Yeah, First Timothy 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and it is certain we will carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, let us be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Yeah, so we need to be thankful to God for what we have. We ask the question this way, why don't I have X, Y, Z? When really we should be asking, why do I have so much? Yeah, and again, you know, we worry so much about what we don't have. And what does Jesus say? Consider the lilies. You know, they're clothed, they're taken care of. Um, how much more are you going to be taken care of by your good father uh, mm-hmm. who watches over you? And so, was it Cheryl Crow, the soak up the sun? You remember that? You probably danced to that in your Volkswagen Beetle 
when you're working at American Eagle. Probably. Frosted tips. Bath Bath and Body Works. Oh, yeah. The... She has a line in that song. It's not about... I can't remember it now. I'm going to butcher it. It's about wanting what you've got. It's not having what you want. It's about wanting what you've got. And I think that's kind of weird pop wisdom as to how to be content is just saying, Lord, what you have given me is more than I deserve. It's plentiful. And just wanting that. I don't want what the world tells me I ought to want. And and let's be honest, I think it's the world. I think that social media has been no friend to contentment. You can play the comparison game so easily. Yeah. No, this it's there's a, a true like I don't know. Yeah, social media suck. Sorry if I use the word suck. The the Joneses are yeah. in your hand now. Yeah. You see this beautiful New York flat that you'll never be able to buy, but neither does 99.9% of the world's population need to buy that, right? Well, even, I mean, maybe it's not, I mean, I don't care about a flat in New York because I know I'm never going to afford it, but it's that stuff that's in my price range, as it were, that I didn't have, or the people who are in my age and stage, things they do have that I don't have. Those are the things that kind of like suck you in and kind of entice you. And you you wish that those are the things that you might have, you know, mm-hmm. and so. Yeah. I think that also being Americans, oh yeah, we are the most affluent society in the history of the world. And so I think that the level of need, the language of this is a human right, I think is a very loosely thrown around in America. <laughs> yeah. So that's fine that you said, because me and my wife for 16 years have supported a compassion kid from Rwanda named Carrera Robert. Um, really cool kid. And he's 22 now. And Tilly is starting to read his letters and kind of write back and forth with him. And it was just the, this past letter. He was explaining what COVID was and their limitations and what things, simple things they just didn't have that we have all over the place. Um, and just really, it caught Tilly's attention of what, um, what we have so much, you know, for example, books, for example, you know, books, televisions, more than one automobile. Tel- like it, it's, it's wild. It's absolutely wild. Amazon prime, Amazon prime, you know, well, if you know, the Suez canal is really going to probably make your two day prime turn into two month prime, but be that as it may, the material resources that we have at our fingertips is just, I mean, it's nuts. It's bananas how much we have. And yet, in the sinful heart, there's always this desire for more. And I preached at a funeral not long ago, and Job 120, the Lord give and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. One quote, I can't remember who it was, maybe it was Calvin, on that verse said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. All that he gives is more than I deserve, and all he takes away is less than I owe. That is a description of every human being that has ever lived. Everything he gives is more than we deserve. And all that he takes away is less than we owe him. So I think that puts us kind of in our proper place in terms of checking our motivations and seeing ourselves in the proper light. There's also restitution that needs to happen, right? If, if you've personally wronged someone, give back to them what they're due. Yeah. 
Zacchaeus. He, he restored and even over and above what he had extorted from people, giving and lending freely, being generous with your resources. Yeah, I thought one verse that popped out to me was Ephesians 4.28, uh, where it talks about let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor, uh, doing honest work so that he may sh- share, so that he may also give mm. uh, and to people in need. You know, so just kind of flipping that reality. So, you know, just, you know, don't let the thief steal anymore, but actually let him work an honest good job so that in, in turn that he would also now give. Uh, yeah, that is, yeah, because the middle ground, you know, just where he, that's sort of this inert man, he neither gives nor takes. We think, okay, that's, don't steal. No, don't just be inert and not take things. Give. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this happens a lot of ways, but just one, you know, we were part of a community group and there was a young single person that was part of our community group. Her car broke down, you know, and she didn't have the $700 to fix it. Well, our community group like that, you know, 20 bucks here, 50 bucks here, 100, per, you know, 100 bucks here, her car was fixed without, you know, without a, much of a, and, that, and you see that in what Acts chapter two and throughout Having the book, everything and in common. common. Yeah. And just really, and so there's a, a posture there when you know that God is going to take care of you and you're wise with your finances uh, and that if you are wise, then you're able to, to give um, and to give freely. And mainly because our God is the one who who gave free, freely towards us, mm-hmm. you know. Second Corinthians eight nine, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though He was rich, yet for the for your sake He became poor, so that you might, so that you by His poverty might become rich. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just good news knowing that um, that our God gives, um, and we get to benefit from His. Um, from his goodness. Yeah, God gives us gifts that we might give gifts and be blessings to others. So Galatians 6.10 is another great text. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. I think the Christians should be leading the forefront. Individual Christians should be leading the forefront on taking care of the poor and the marginalized. But he makes this qualifier, and especially to those who are the household of faith. So if you have needs in your congregation, know this. God provides for the needs of his people through his people. We talked about this recently in in preaching the Levitical cities in Joshua 21. Those Levitical cities were given by each of the respective tribes, and Caleb, who inherited the city of Hebron, gave that city. That That was his inheritance. He got to choose the city that he wanted to inherit, and he gave it to the Levites to be their Levitical city. So, self sacrificial giving is that was a pretty cool example yeah and i think in our modern day i think this is where the office of deacon uh, is a very important office uh, for churches to to benefit from amen so eighth commandment i'm you you said it a bit before in between episodes that we were uh i mean we're kind of coming toward the end of the shorter we've got what 10 12 episodes you and me together yeah and then we got Ten or you know, hopefully about ten interviews as well. So twenty more episodes. We're coming to the close. It's making me sad. Uh, I don't know what I'm gonna do. The larger? We, no, no. All right, we're gonna take a break. 
But uh, the Eighth Commandment today, and, and certainly all, like I said, we pulled a lot from the Westminster Larger Catechism questions uh, 141 and 2, so we would recommend that you go there and really look at the application of these commandments to life and look at the Scripture proves the Bible is very clear on these, and yet this sin, like every other, is one that can be cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus, so faith and repentance, that's what God asks of us. Uh, with that... Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Appreciate you. Till we talk next, keep it short. Mm-hmm.